count things down from number five all the way to number one. Uh, this week's special guest appearance by Ashley Victoria Robinson. Hello, Ashley. Woo, hello. Rodrigo is also here. Hello, Rodrigo. Hey. And there's Matthew. Hello, Matthew. <laughs> and also that guy. Yep. And the rest right here on top five. So an interesting comment that I was going through. You know, you're never supposed to read the comments. But someone was like, oh, man, top five has become nothing but comic books and superheroes. And I I guess I don't know where that's coming from, but OK. Anyway, but this also, is that a complaint? <laughs> no, it was a, it was a complaint. Uh, but anyway, this week's top five all the way by request from our discord server, top five non-American foods, non-American foods. And I was going to put non on my list. But uh, did not make did not make my list. But Ashley, since you are our guest and our most recent uh, immigrant, uh, how about you start us off this week? Uh, So my first choice is uh, not Canadian. Sorry to disappoint. Uh, But it is something that was introduced to me when I did live in Canada. And I'm just going to assume that I'm not pronouncing it properly. But it is uh, every weebs and otaku's favorite Japanese treat, Pocky Pokey. Pocky? I don't know. Yeah. My concept of Japanese is touchy at best. Uh, but it's those weird little breadsticks covered with weird little chocolate or weird little matcha or sometimes nuts. It's amazing. It is uh, something that I got introduced to in elementary school by my very best friend in the whole world. And it was not super widely available when I was younger. Now I can get it at the Ralph's. Back in those dark days, uh, you could only get them from like Asian grocery stores or the internet. And mm-hmm. believe me, uh, as a child without a credit card, I definitely didn't get it from the internet. And I have such fond memories and such fond associations of going and purchasing it with my friend Lisa and trying to goad each other into trying such strange to young children flavors as green tea, which as an adult has now become one of my favorites. Uh, my mother still sends it to me in the mail because I think think she doesn't think we can get it in america but kind of like fanta which used to be my favorite soda uh now it's very very accessible uh so much so that the uh bougie coffee shop that i used to like to go to when i was in silver lake back when the world was open they used to always give you a chocolate uh, pocky stick with whatever coffee you ordered which i always thought was super cute so uh it's good it's tasty it's probably very bad for you i have very fun childhood memories of it so pocky went right on my list as soon as we started (laughs) if i'm pronouncing it wrong please let me know but also just do it real kindly thank you no we always have a box of pocky lying around the house somewhere because the boys devour that stuff uh the oldest subscribes to something I, i think it's called the munch munch box or something like this it's like um they bring in all sorts of uh snacky foods from other countries I love that. And this month, he has sweet corn flavored Pocky. Oh, that sounds good, though. It it actually does. He's like, I don't know if I'm going to eat this yet. And I'm like, well, you got to try it. You wanted to be on this uh, mailing list, so you got to try it. But yeah, Pocky is definitely a good one. Uh, Rodrigo, what do you have on your number five this week? Uh, My number five is um, something that um, I've eaten a lot of. And um, usually I can't get enough of and it causes me problems either because I've eaten too much or because it's so like immensely salty uh, and it uh, gives me migraines. But uh, 
if you've ever had a good paella, especially a good seafood paella, um, it's really fantastic. Um, you get the rice, you get the animal chunks, you get all the spices, you get the saffron. It's really great. Um, a lot of people uh, think that they're like, oh yeah, paella is like a Spanish dish. And people in Spain, they love paella, but apparently it's regional. Like, not a, like it's like a coastal thing. Not a lot of people eat it. Um, so it's kind of like, uh, I'd be kind of like showing up to New York and being like, yes, give me that New York barbecue. Although now we're going to get calls from New York and being like, there is New York barbecue. So I'll just stop talking now before I dig myself any deeper. Very nice. Thank you for that, Rodrigo. My number five is something that in the fall is a go-to food for me. I love uh, throwing this on the grill and uh, getting it nice and a good char on it and then putting a little uh, spicy mustard, maybe eating it with uh, some pretzels. But the good old bratwurst or the frankfurter uh, is on my list at number five. Uh, There's something about, you know, putting that in. Uh, either a nice bun or just eating it, you know, know, stick a fork in it and eat it right off the fork uh, where you get a bite into it and you get to snap the, uh, the, uh, the lining, the casing, and then uh, taste all that uh, hot, spicy, juicy burniness on the inside. But uh, bratwurst really popular in the fall, at least around my neck of the woods. And I'm sure over there in Germany when they can celebrate the Oktoberfest, but uh, yeah, bratwurst Frankfurters, my number five on the top five non-American foods. Matthew, what do you have for number five this week? My number five, I'm actually very lucky in that I live in Kansas, but for the first time in my life, I don't live like in the middle of like super rural Kansas. I grew up in a town of like, I don't know, 400 people, and we all just sort of rotated around each other. But now I'm in a city, sort of. So I can go downtown to the best uh, Indian restaurant, to my knowledge, in the state of Kansas, and I can get Rogan Josh which is, it's not exactly like curry, the way I understand curry, because I'm used to eating like a Japanese-style curry, but it is a curry dish with meat in it, uh, usually like a lamb or a goat. I tend to get it with pork, because uh, you're not allowed to eat lamb in my house. It's a thing. It's a whole thing. But it's basically braised in this thick, gingery, garlicky gravy, and it's just amazing my daughter gets this vegetarian thing called alu palak and i'm like no you must have this but she won't eat the meat so if you've ever had it it's kind of the equivalent of you know if you ever have like a a nice lamb stew except much much more aromatic much more flavorful just tons and tons of spices it's amazing and it's weirdly cool when you're eating it it doesn't have like a backburn in the back of your throat like sometimes i get because i have to eat my indian food very mild because i don't have a high tolerance for that but if you ever get a chance to have rogan josh i highly recommend it steven do you have any indian restaurants out there uh we used to but uh then uh, bobby went and became a doctor so no <laughs> well then rogan josh is my number five and then we're cha-chaing yep. i guess All right, that brings us to our number four. And Ashley, what do you have on your number four? Uh, My number four is a fitting follow-up, I believe, to Matthew's number five. And it is the single greatest drink in the entire world that is not caffeinated. uh, And that is mango lassi. It is a cool yogurt beverage. Uh, 
I don't know if it's from India originally, but uh, I always get it from Indian restaurants. It is so delicious. I would drown myself in it. It is a mm-hmm. must add to every single Indian dish, plus being yogurt and it's it typically is fruit based. I think mango is the most popular flavor for lassi. Uh, it has a nice cooling effect when you underestimate just how Caucasian you are. And the spices overwhelm you, even on your favorite dish that you've trusted for a long time. So it's a great companion as function as well as taste. And uh, there is a company now that makes it that calls it that yogurt drink. That is the name of the company. And I think that is very funny. And if you're lucky enough to live on the East Coast of the United States, uh, you can find it there. Uh, but mango lassi was another one when I was making my my short seven that I cut down to a tight five for this was <laughs> right on my list. I knew it was going to be included. Yeah. Lassi is an Indian uh, delicacy. It is definitely from the Indian subcontinent. Heck yeah! There you go. All right, Rodrigo. What uh, what lands on your number four? Uh, my number four is something that I like to have to for dessert and that I didn't realize was like a fancy thing until I started seeing them in fancy restaurants. And that's an eclair. Um, Because nowadays you can find a, like a long cream filled donut in like a grocery store, right? There's like nothing spectacular about, you know, the sort of structure of an eclair, but we have a nice eclair in a cafe where they actually bake them there. Um, it can be really good. And, you know, it's, uh, it's the sort of thing where I'm like, okay, well, if I ever go to France, I know where I can get, like, I know something I can get that I'm going to like. Um, cause nowadays I'm just so picky nowadays, especially, you know, around the French. <laughs> My number four, uh, is a type of pizza, a specific type of pizza, one or two. I can either take either one of these. They're both fine. But the Neapolitan pizza, just the mozzarella with some uh, tomato sauce or the margarita pizza uh, with the uh, the basil on it. Um, here's the thing. I like it not because of the mozzarella and the tomato sauce, but because of the way you've got to throw that thing in an, uh, a brick oven pizza. And a, the brick oven pizza has to be so hot that the entire pizza is done in 60 seconds. That's when you know you've got a good pizza. And when that comes out, the pizza crust is so good. And you have to use that Italian, um, I forget what the brand is, uh, but it's a a brand of the uh, flour that you have to use uh, to give it that real, uh, authentic uh, taste of uh, of Italy. Uh, But oh my goodness, a good Neapolitan pizza, if done right, is going to be the best pizza in the world. And you don't have to top it with things like uh, corn or shrimp or pineapple or pepperoni. It tastes good just by itself with some big old slabs of mozzarella on there or dollops or however that comes out of the uh, the mozzarella maker thing. And uh, it tastes good on that pizza. So that's my number four, the Neapolitan pizza. Matthew, what do you have for your number four? My number four is actually Otter's Fault. Um, a few years ago, we went to visit Otter. He lives in a great big city in a state where things are legal. And we went to a Brazilian steakhouse. And I don't speak Portuguese, but they have one in Kansas City as well. It's called Fogo de Chao, which Fogo means cloud and Chao means meat. So it literally means cloud of meat. And they bring around skewers of just meat. And I'm looking at this and I'm going, I don't feel like this is a, a fair option because the meat they're bringing is steak and chicken and pork and things that you can eat anywhere. But in between courses... As a sorbet to cleanse the palate, 
they bring around caramelized bananas. Just a little plate of these bananas that have been, I think, grilled to where the outside is just squishy and and it's almost the consistency of like um, a marshmallow that you put on a stick and roast over a fire. And they are so good. And you'd think they'd be incredibly sweet, but they're really not. They're just sweet enough. And when you're done eating them, you're like, okay, I can now sit down and have them bring me another 15 pounds of meat and maybe some of that bamboo stuff from over there. But I can't tell you how often I have wanted to just have the bananas and have not felt that I could legally drive an hour and a half, sit down, pay $39.99 or whatever it would be for the, you know, the enormous menu, and then just have the bananas. And I've never actually tried to cook them. But, man, if you know how to cook these Brazilian caramelized bananas, come to my house uh, at some point after we're allowed to come to people's houses. I, not now. I, Matthew, are you sure they're not plantains? That's what I was going to ask. In this case, they are bananas. I know mm. that plantains are traditional. Mm-hmm. But uh, the one in Kansas City specifically uses bananas, and I think it's because we're in Kansas. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, sure, but I, sure. I I know that the plantains are considered more traditional. I know that the plantains taste a little different. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they are so good. I think I could eat a plantain too if I knew how to cook. I would learn how to cook these. It's not it's not that hard to uh, to get them to grill up. Most of the time, they're you know, uh, the caramelization comes from its own sugars and juices yeah because a plantain is just pure starch it's yeah, like right. a, a plantain i don't know if you've ever eaten a raw plantain but it's more like a potato than a banana it's like a mega damaged banana yeah it is yeah it's it the looks like thing. a banana until you bite into it and then you're like this ain't no banana and that may be why they use bananas i mean a lot of the people uh, in this part of kansas are um not worldly I mean, that makes sense. I've, yeah, I've definitely a... seen some weird substitutions at like Chinese restaurants in Kansas. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Plantain, though, is you're not that far from plantain, plantain eating territory. You know, right. as soon as you go, you know, two hours south of Kansas City, you're in plantain territory. So um, it's not it's not that far off. And you can find plantains yeah. very easily at your local grocery store. So yeah, and then I'd have to learn how to cook them. It's just a thing. Yeah, it's not gonna. It's really seriously not gonna be that. You hard know to cook how them. I approach life. Can you start my orange? Is one of my catchphrases. I don't know that I could ever do it. You know, unless somebody in my house wanted. Yeah, to that's make... what, that's what you need to do. Is you need to figure out how to get someone who lives with you to right. get into plantains. I'm I'm actually getting a glare from across the room, so I don't <laughs> think the caramelized bananas are going to happen anytime soon. But they are my number four. All right. We are quickly moving up our list and we have hit the number three spot, Ashley. Yeah. What you got? Uh, I'm going to say, Rodrigo, please, if I pronounce this wrong, you go ahead and correct me. Uh, This is my favorite thing to order when I am ill, although most of the Mexican restaurants in Los Angeles only serve it for like the first two hours that they're open. So that makes the Grubhub life really tough. And that is Menudo. Uh, which is typically a, it is described as a red pepper, a red chili pepper base, which is hysterical to me because uh, as I mentioned before, I'm super Caucasian and can't do spice. Um, But it is a uh, Mexican soup that's mostly made with tripe and uh, cow stomach. And I know for some people that's really going to eat them out. And tripe is a very uh, specific thing that I love with all my heart and soul. And this is my favorite way to eat it. I think it is one of the most 
uniquely flavorful things that I've ever had to eat. And I discovered it by accident when I ordered it instead of something else by mistake. But it is one of the happiest accidents uh, of my life because I happen to live in a region where a lot of really good quality menudo is made because uh, California is Mexico. And if you've never been brave enough to try it, 10 out of 10, I highly recommend. Um, sometimes my nose is running by the time I'm finished it, but it never brings me to tears, which is a win-win. Uh, I really love Menudo, and I think it doesn't get enough love in sort of the general Southern California. We love Mexican food as long as it's a taco culture. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Rodrigo, what do you have for number three? Uh, my number three is a pretty humble dish and also a very uh well-traveled like there's everybody has a version of this and that's hummus Mm -hmm. um and it's nice to to try different types of hummus from different regions um i have seen some very sad hummus when i was in college sometimes they, they would have something that they said was hummus and i remember all of our like uh, Middle Eastern classmates would be like actively like really upset about it. Um, and I think that hummus is kind of uh, something that people uh, it's it's probably like pizza to Americans, you know, something where like everybody has like real opinions about pizza and what goes on it and what it's made of um, and and how much structural cheese you're allowed to have to it. I think hummus is the same. Uh, for uh, people across the like any given Middle Eastern uh, diaspora, so um, it's it's always great. I I try to have some of it with some frequency because it's also very healthy. Um, except of course I, I I eat it with massive quantities of either pitas or naan or whatever I can get my hands of, completely undermining the the health benefits. There you go. There you go. My number three, also a very humble food, the taco. Oh, the taco. You think you know what a taco is, right? Until you have some good uh, al pastor uh, taco or um, that's probably the one that I like right now is is the one with the pork in it. Uh, But I did not realize until just recently the tons of variety of tacos that you can have. And I've been watching this uh, documentary on Netflix called uh, The Taco Chronicles where they go to various different regions of Mexico and talk about how they like to prepare their tacos there, whether it be a basket taco or the, um, I don't know. They've got so many different types that they have there. Each one looks delicious. Each one is prepared a different way and everybody will fight that their taco is the best taco. Uh, but, uh, Oh man, give me a plate of tacos and minus the cilantro, but doesn't, doesn't matter. Even tonight I ordered some, some tacos and they still put cilantro on it. Even though I said no cilantro, please. Um, a little bit of onions, a little bit of lime. There we go. Delicious. The taco. Matthew, what do you have for your, for your number three? Is it also a taco? It was almost tacos or rather tacos were almost on my list because today I was reading about the fact that hard shell tacos were apparently popularized by Taco Bell, which yes. is, you know, why Rodrigo yells at us so much, you gotta but have no. a little tiny, the little tiny tortilla tacos. Yum. Those are good, yeah. We have a, a couple of local places that are just amazing. But no, in one of those local places, they actually make something that is my number three. It's apparently the national dish of Peru, and it's raw fish, uh, a ceviche in this case. Um, the ones Heck that, yeah. 
Yeah, the ones that I get are actually fish and shrimp uh, mixed together with lemon juice and some onions and some tomatoes and some spicy things and just basically all kind of chopped up. And then you eat it with uh, a tortilla or you eat it with, they give us the the hard, crunchy tortillas that you get for like, uh, what do they call those? The flat ones. I don't remember. It's Tostadas. not a tostada. Thank you. You have that, you eat that. Oh my gosh, it is so good. To the point where um, a local place, Los Charos, you can't go to El Charo. El Charo is not good. Los Charos was good, but they closed and now they're El Gallo. But Los Gallos is in the location where El Charo used to be. Nonetheless, if you go to El Gallo, they still have a ceviche that will knock your feet in the dirt. And I highly recommend it if you get a chance to have a good one in a trustworthy place. Because, oh my word, fish will almost never be so much fun. It's almost a pickled flavor. And you get the onions in there. I don't usually love onions, but you get just enough onion and just enough balance to make it really good. It kind of feels like a like a dip almost, like caviar, where you just scoop a little bit up and you eat it. And, oh my gosh, it is so good. My number three, ceviche, making Ashley yell, hey, yeah. <laughs> okay, we have made it to the top two spots. On our top five non-American foods. I'm very interested to see what everyone has in their top two spots. And we're going to start with Ashley. Please share your number two with us. So Ashley loves carbs. So we had to have a pasta on the list somewhere. And before I moved to the States, I did the thing that everyone in high school talks about doing. But I actually did it. I bought the train pass and I went with my boyfriend at the time. Uh, and we went all over Europe. And that was really great. It's an experience I highly recommend. You sleep in a room that you pay $8 a night for. You will learn some stuff, my friend. And one of my favorite, mostly that earplugs are very valuable. Uh, one of my favorite things to do when we were traveling was, because uh, most of the menus don't have English on them. But if you ask people really nicely, they'll take pity on you and make recommendations. Uh, so my favorite thing to do was to ask um what is the dish of the city or the region or the country? And when I was in Rome, everyone told us we had to have pasta carbonara. And pasta carbonara is obviously uh, very accessible in North America, but I had never had it. And I have had it since uh, returning uh, to North America. And it's just not the same. And it's just not as good. That doesn't mean I don't still eat it. But there is something very special about having pasta carbonara in Italy. And I would have never thought that basically what if bacon and eggs, but pasta though, was (laughs) going to be as good as it is. And it really is. Even the now defunct Quiznos has a pasta carbonara sub, which is like not bad for 12 bucks, slightly more than I paid for that room I stayed in. If, uh, if your Italian journeys to the Olive Garden, and this is no shame on the Olive Garden. I love the Olive Garden. But if you've never tried pasta carbonara, please do it for me. And then you can send me a tweet with a thank you gift and uh, a gift card in it so that I can have some for myself. I think it is the peak, the prime, the greatest of the Italian pastas. And I know everyone is screaming at their phone, whatever they think is better. But I'm telling you, it's pasta carbonara, especially the ones that have green peas in them. That's the prime way (laughs) to ingest it. All right, great. Uh, I have a story about peas, but uh, peas and pasta, it's, uh, it's a joke around my my household. But uh, before we do that, <laughs> Rodrigo, how about you share your number two? Uh, my number two comes around because nobody told me that we were doing Indian food for our number fours. 
Um, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I didn't get the memo. You need um, to get in the group chat. Yeah, I guess. Uh, my number two is Sog, uh, specifically Sog with Lamb. Um, and for two reasons. One, I really like Sog. I like the um, the creaminess of it. Uh, I like the flavor. Um, I went to a restaurant once with some friends who were like, oh, man, this place is really spicy. And we always get the spiciest. I'm like, well, I don't want the spiciest. And they're like, yeah, you can order it mild. So I ordered it mild, and it was so spicy. So I ate it, or I ate most of it. And uh, my friends were like, oh, hey, can I try it? And then they tried it, and they're like, oh, my God, this is so spicy. So apparently they just gave me the spicy kind, even though I ordered um, <laughs> the normal kind. And I was like, wow, I am like really amazed at just how spicy these friends who invited me, like what their tolerance is. But it's like, no, eh, we were all just eating super like ludicrously hot stuff. Um, I don't like it when it's the spiciest, a little bit of heat. That's fine. But uh, a good lamb sag with some uh, naan is pretty nice. Very good. Uh, my number two, I did not have until I was almost 30 years old. Uh, I had gone on a business trip up to San Jose and the people I was with were like, hey, man, uh, how about we finish up our drinks here and we go across the street to this sushi place? And I was like, "Uh, I don't know about sushi. And they're like, no, come on. You've never had sushi. You're going to love this place. And so we went over as the place where everything comes around in the little boats. They float on the on the water as they wind their way around. Everybody's sitting at the bar and you just pick up what you want. And they're like, here, try this one. It'll be pretty simple for you. Tried it. I said, hey, this was good. And about an hour later, I'm like eight, eight plates deep on sushi and uh, definitely is now a favorite of mine. And the nice thing is uh, about sushi is, you know, it comes in a var- different varieties, different types. Um, and I know people are like, ooh, raw fish. And, and that's fine. But you should really, really try this. Uh, as finicky as my kids are. And some of you know the, the history of how finicky my kids are with with eating food. How finicky are they? Oh, man. They, they are the worst. They're the worst children in the world when it comes to eating. But uh, the youngest loves eating like just a rainbow, uh, a rainbow uh, uh, roll. You know, just basically it's the, the rice with the, the fish on top, the salmon or the tuna or the whatever. And he just loves that. He just eats that stuff up. So I'm glad that we introduced our kids to sushi at a very young age. And um, I'm glad that they enjoy it. And I would say, everyone, if you haven't tried sushi, you're missing out. Go for the experience. It is going to be wonderful. And uh, there are so many different things that you can have with your sushi. It's, it, in many places, they do have these very Americanized versions of sushi. Mm-hmm. Uh, but trust me, if you can get some some really good sushi made by a really good sushi chef, uh, you're in for a treat. So that is my number two, sushi. Matthew, what do you have for number two? Uh, you know, ask Ashley, the sushi is always late. Um, but <laughs> my number two is actually something that I encountered in our local sushi restaurant. And of course, this is Kansas. So at the time, they were called Asian Garden. Uh, they've now moved. They're now called Oriental Express. And I'm not sure which is worse, but I will tell you this. They make an incredible taco sansai. Uh, taco su is basically an octopus salad 
their taco sansai is octopus and fresh vegetables. So you get some really, really thin, like little shims of cucumber. You get a little bit of spice, a little bit of like, you know, some salt and some pepper. And then you chop up an octopus and you put the whole thing in vinegar. It's actually, now that I think of it, it's very similar to the texture and, you know, the taste experience of my number three. It's almost like a ceviche, except when you're chopping up an octopus, when you're chopping up your taco, you get those weird bits and pieces. You get like little long chunks that are kind of muscular, and then you get parts that are, oh, look, here's a part that's clearly some sort of tentacle. And you may say, why would I want to eat an octopus? Texturally, they're wonderful. They're fascinating. And they don't really have so much of a flavor, so they pick up the flavor of what you put them in. So if you put them in this vinegar and you have the nice fresh vegetables, oh my word, it's amazing. My kid was very finicky when she started, you know, eating things that weren't just chicken nuggets. And she loved octopus salad until she became a vegetarian. She won't eat anything that has a face. And apparently octopuses are really smart and really cute when you see them in the water. But when they're out of the water, their heads just kind of droop. So in any case, I eat them and I... I don't really feel bad about it. But if you ever do get a chance to eat a taco su or specifically a taco sansai, absolutely do it. It's really, really good. Take my recommendation as a very, very fat man. Okay. Uh, we have made it all the way to our number one spot in record time. And I'm sure everyone is just like, oh, I'm going to go try that tonight. I'm, I'm hungry for that right now. And I'm going to go have one of those. But maybe all of those past cravings will go away when they hear our number ones. Ashley, what is your number one non-American food? So my number one non-American food pretty much contractually has to be Canadian. And there's a lot of overlap between the two countries. So I really had to put my thinking cap on and I said, well, poutine is the easy answer. Um, and I'm going to tell people to go get that with goat cheese, which is sacrilegious, but it's so much better. It will truly be able to see through time. It's so good. I thought about <laughs> Nanaimo bars, but that's always a really hard thing to explain to Americans for some reason. I thought about beaver tails, but those aren't actually beaver tails. And that's a whole other thing. And then I settled on uh, my favorite thing that my maternal family, my French side of my family makes, and that is tortière, which is um, what if meat pie, but we grind it up really, 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 really fine. So it's basically, if you've ever had haggis, the inside of a tortilla is exactly like that. It's very fine ground beef. And a lot of, um, aside from the indigenous First Nations, a lot of traditional Canadian food comes from, uh, obviously, we Canada was first colonized. So it's a lot of uh, hunter-type food. It is a lot of uh, fur trader-type food. So it's a lot of, uh, whatever you got, we're going to eat this because we're too scared to take down a moose, and this has to like last for a decent amount of time. So mm. what's cool about tortillas or sea pie, or a lot of the French meat pie traditional food is that it's, uh, you know, whatever you want can be in a traditional tortillere would be a mix of a lot of different types of meat because you'd have like one little scrawny rabbit and then you'd have like maybe a bigger rabbit and then you'd have like a chicken and so you just mash it all together not unlike pate but this one is cooked you put it in a pie bake it till it's golden brown on the outside uh if you're really disgusting you put ketchup on it i do not ascribe to this but several many people do <laughs> and for me it is a very quintessential dish 
having grown up in Canada, when I think about Canadian cuisine and Canadian experience, I always think about the meat pies and tortillas, the king of the meat pies, probably the queen, because judging by the spelling, that's a feminine French word, uh, the queen of French Canadian traditional cooking. Uh, and so much so that I have thought about asking my mom to send me one because I don't trust that I am a good enough cook to make one on my own mostly because I don't have the patience to make it on my own. But unlike Menudo, I can't convince someone else in LA to sell it to me for $18. So uh, if you're in Canada, the next time you're in Canada, when we're allowed to leave our homes again, check that out. Uh, And then everything else that I mentioned at the top. But Tatia has to be my number one without a question. Very, very good. Sounds tasty. Uh, Rodrigo, what is your number one? Uh, My number one... Uh, like my number two is a vehicle for lamb because I don't know if you guys know this, but Americans don't like lamb. So it's hard to find lamb dishes a- any place that isn't a an Indian restaurant or a Greek restaurant. Um, so uh, in order for me to get my fix, I often have to go to a gyro place. Um, gyros are great. They're street food. They are a um, sort of a... Um, kind of, kind of a, a a conceptual sister to the taco, um, except the uh, you know, the, if you have it on a pita, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot thicker bread, but um, you know, you get the lamb, you get the um vegetables, you get the tzatziki sauce plus whatever else um the uh, local person likes to put on it. Um, they're just really fantastic. They kind of like put it in a paper cone and like spin it around so that it's like, a, it just like stays and it doesn't fall apart. And, uh, sometimes you accidentally eat some of the paper, but it's fine cause it's got sauce on it. So it's pretty good. Um, so yeah, I mean, if, uh, there was a, a Euro place at the mall and I used to eat there all the time in the before times, uh, in the long, long ago, back when I used to go to the mall. Um, and, uh, I kind of miss it. I, I, I agree with you. I miss it. I miss, uh, having a good, you have a fast food Euro joint. Yeah. Arby's. No, actually it's called. And I, 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 I want you to know that when I say this, this is literally the name of the restaurant. It's called Gyroville. Uh, the the owner, all of the employees, the people running the register will say, "Would you like a gyro?" And I'm like, "Hurt, it. I it's not bad." I stopped at a uh, what is it? It's like it's only in eastern Kansas, and they have this like '50s decor, mm-hmm. like really over the top '50s decor. Like the whole place is lined with like albums and stuff. Um. But I went up and they had a euro in the menu and I asked for a euro and they looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, can I have the gyro? And they were like, oh, the gyro. And then they gave me one. (laughs) Yep. It's Kansas. Yep. Uh, My number one is a favorite dish that I try to get every chance I get, except not around here because the only place that makes it is not very good. And the person that does make it that's really good around here is only open on times when I'm not available. But it is Patai. Oh, it's basic, just a basic uh, rice noodle dish. Uh, Very common, but it is the, again, the food of the people. Uh, I prefer to get mine. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, you can have it with shrimp or chicken or pork or beef. I say, ask for all of it mixed together because it's really good that way. 
and then go for the spice. But beware, if you're someone that can't handle spice, Ashley Victoria Robinson. That's me. Do not ever ask for Thai hot if the women back in the kitchen are Thai. Because <laughs> I went to, my wife and I went to a, uh, a Thai restaurant. And, you know, I've, I've been eating a lot of Thai at the time and I'm trying it at various heats. And, you know, none of them bothered me. Uh, and, uh, so we go in there and I'm like, I would like this Thai hot. And the lady, uh, taking order is like, are you sure? And I'm like, yep. And she's like, are you sure? Cause it's really hot. I'm like, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. I can, ha I can handle this. And she goes, okay. And it's kind of smiles and she goes back in and puts the order in and you can hear all the women back in the kitchen just start cackling and laughing. And the next thing I know, uh, it comes out and I'm three bites in and I'm actually six glasses of Thai iced tea down. Because, holy crap, that was super, super hot. It's that last scene of Indiana Jones. Yeah, it was the only time that I could not finish a plate of pot thai. It was also the only time that I didn't ask for a to-go box. Because I was just like, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that this was authentic Thai hot. Uh, and, uh, but it was still very good. I said between bursts of flames coming out of my mouth. Uh, but pot thai, I will eat that anytime it's on the menu. I don't care where we're at. We could be at like, you know, a super fancy restaurant. If I see pot thai, it's like, yep, let me have that, please. Um, it's, it is my favorite food. I will eat it all the time, anytime. It will never grow old with me. All right. I think uh, we only have one more person left on our list. And that is you, Matthew, with your number one non-American food. Now that I never leave the house, um, I have apparently subscriptions to four different delivery services and one of them, and only one of them from Tuesday through Sunday at specific hours will deliver from a local Italian place. And this place is open weird hours because apparently the main chef has another job and he does other things. And so when you order you have to be careful. You have to make sure that, hey, are you actually open? And then when you do open, you can get, you know, the weird pizzas that they have. But you can also get the only place in Topeka now that you can get, cannoli siciliani. So I will order myself five or six cannolo. You get the cannoli, you bring it home. A cannoli, for those who don't know, is basically a tube. Uh, it's very crunchy. So it's kind of a, a, a tube, and inside is cream cheese, sweetened cream cheese. The ones that I get always have chocolate chips, both you know mixed into the cheese and also on the ends. And then the whole thing is dusted with powdered sugar. And it is so amazing, you guys. It is wonderful. You get the crunch and then the sweet, and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, look, it's a chocolate chip. They, they are to die for. And when I say I order six, it's a family of four. So I'm not eating six. Everybody gets one. Daddy gets three. That's how things work when you're dealing with the cannoli. And the best part of all, the best part is when you order these particular cannoli, they're not like the mini ones that are three or four. Oh, no, no, no. These are the size of a hot dog bun. And they are so good. They are so good, you guys. I usually don't like sweet, cream, cheesy things. I'm like a savory bagel guy, and I'm not into the whole, oh, we're going to put cream cheese in your food, and you're going to eat it, and it's fine. I don't like necessarily cream cheese all over my muffins, but no, you fill that, that, that tube with the cream cheese, and I will eat it literally all day long. Steven will have the pad thai. I'll have a canolo. It'll be fine. There you go. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, those are our top five non-American foods. I think there's some good stuff on this on this on these lists. And I'm buy sure it all, that, eat it all together, and tell us how it feels. Probably not all together, but I'm sure if well, you wanted to spread that out over multiple meals and multiple days, you could certainly do that. Heck, if you made this your your dinner every day of the week, you'd have almost a, a month's worth of food right there, and it's all from other places that aren't America. So there you go. What do you have on your list? I'm very curious, dear listener. Uh, do you have uh, the hamburger on your list? Do you have apple pie on your list? Mm, maybe you have something very different. Well, here's what you can do. You can head over to our Discord server. Yes, there is a Discord server. We've had it for a while now. You can find a link right there in the show notes. Click on that, jump over to the Discord server, and in the Top 5 channel, share your list of your favorite Top 5 non-American foods, and everybody will read that. Everyone will be hungry, because everybody loves a list. This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.